So today we're going to consider Daniel chapter 2, the second chapter of this book, as we continue to pursue the concept of being salt and light in a culture that is opposed to us being salt and light. Amen? How many of you have found that when you go about your daily activities, that people are somewhat sceptical or hostile if you mention that you're a Christian? Have you found that? In fact, I was watching, um, because Jess mentioned uh, David Lennox, the, I think Graham mentioned him last week, he's a, an Oxford mathematician and theologian who's written a book on Daniel. So I decided to read that. And then, you know, I, I must be almost 15. Because what I thought was, hey, I could look it up on YouTube and watch the videos and save myself a whole bunch of reading. And I thought that was a really cool idea. And so I was watching these YouTube videos and I watched him doing a, a debate with Richard, Dawkin, uh, Richard Dawkins, the atheist guy. And I was, I was surprised just how much, the, how petty the other guy was. And every time he came to talk about religion, he, he used the terms children's stories and fairy tales. Completely dismissive. And so we are in a culture, and, and Paul wrote about this in, in um, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and J.B. Phillips says it this way, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. And this is exactly what the story of Daniel speaking to us about. Uh, Daniel was amazing in the sense that he was carried off at 15 into a foreign land as a captive. He was taken from his family and all that was familiar. And he was plunged into a culture that was radically different. In fact, almost the total opposite to what he was used to. And not only did he rise to prominence and served three consecutive empires in high administrative areas. I mean, seriously, right at the top. But the other interesting thing about Daniel was, in all of it, he never compromised his public witness to God. And that's the, that's the incredible thing. And I want to encourage you this, this morning if, to take away from this today that wherever we are, we can publicly testify to the goodness of God, knowing that we're on solid ground. So you ready? Okay, we're going to do a bit of Bible reading today. I brought my Bible because all the stuff we're going to read today, we just couldn't fit into one of them little screens that we put the Bible verses on. So we're going to start at Daniel chapter 2. Oh, technology, seriously. Every time I, every time I waffle and go on, my iPad goes off and I've got to open it up again. So we're going to read Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. And I'm reading from the New International Version because I like it and because it's the only large type version I've got. So in the second year of, the, of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. And when they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. That's all right, it's an old sermon. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. 
Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. And you thought your job was tough. Then the, uh, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king and his servant, uh, tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. And the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is not a man on the earth who can do what the king asks. No, no king, however great or mighty, has ever asked such a thing from any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live amongst men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. How many have ever been caught up in a predicament? And we might, get the, uh, we might get those overheads up, guys, if we can. That's kind of between a rock and a hard place. How many have ever been in a predicament that wasn't your fault, but you ended up right in the middle of it? And this is true of Daniel. He's not caused this problem. He didn't answer to the king. He didn't, wasn't there when these guys were doing this stuff, but he's been caught up in the judgment of the king and he finds himself a hunted man, a fugitive, because of what these guys did. And one of the things that's going to uh, be a challenge for us as we move through into trying to be salt and light in our communities and in our lives is the fact that inevitably we are caught up in predicaments. One of the things that happened when we were in Thailand is that there was great political upheaval. And, uh, you know, I'd like to say that this is going to be a great story of faith and triumph, but in this case it wasn't. It was very difficult for me to deal with the injustice of what was going on in the nation. And, uh, and I found myself in a predicament that wasn't of my making that really affected me because I saw people that I loved and cared for being uh, harshly treated by the situation that was taking place. And um, the challenge for, for us is to rise above what's happening around us so that we can indeed be salt and light and not get caught up in the predicament. You know, one of the contrasts that I, that I really find interesting in this chapter and in the, in, the two, in the book of Daniel is if we contrast it to Psalm 127. Have I got that right? Psalm 137. Now you might go, I don't know what that is. But how many remember the Boney M song? 
by the rivers of Babylon. Have you heard that song? There we sat down and we wept because we remembered Zion. And when, if you read that, that, that uh, psalm, it's obvious that those guys were in Babylon at the same time as Daniel being salt and light. They were having a pity party. They were feeling sorry for themselves. We couldn't sing. They, they asked us to sing the songs of Zion. But how could we sing the Lord's song in that strange land? And my question is, how did Daniel do what he did and be solid to God in that strange land? It's a perspective thing. And that takes us to our next, our next thing. If, if we want to be salt and light, we need to develop a different perspective. And... Uh, it's, it's interesting right from the outset of, of the book of Daniel and um, Graham touched on this just a little bit last week and it's found in uh, the first, right at the beginning, right in the second verse of the, the book. It says, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hands. That's Nebuchadnezzar, along with the articles from the temple of God and these he carried off into uh, to Babylon and he put it in the temple of his God. One of the things that enabled Daniel to do what he did was he had a perspective about God. He believed that he was being carried off to Babylon in the plans and purposes of God. Because God had already prophesied it was going to happen. Jeremiah had spoken to Judah over quite a significant number of years, telling them, if you keep sinning, Someone's going to come along, your enemies are going to come along, they're going to pick you up and they're going to carry you off into exile. And so when it happened, Daniel said, hey, I know this story. I read this from the prophets. I understand that God's doing something. And he called to mind all the things that God said he would do in Babylon. And it's really interesting. God God said, hey, guys, when you're carried off there, Don't just feel sorry for yourself. Don't sit by the rivers of Babylon and sing sad songs. Build and plant. Live. Believe me. Increase. Do not decrease. Sing songs. Don't stop singing songs. And there's one of the big challenges when we face a predicament. See, remember what J.B. Phillips said. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. See, the world wants to take our witness and make it private. Have you noticed that? You know, in our community, they're okay for us to have faith as a private thing. But when we step out and say, I believe in Jesus, the attacks come because they want to squeeze us into the mold. You know, they want to squeeze us into a place where, you know, we can, we can it's okay, you can have your, God's, your God fairy stories. But don't challenge us with them. And so Daniel had this over, overarching perspective that God was in control. And this is key. Okay, let's go to the next screen. This is an interesting switch from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But in James chapter 1, there is a verse that I, I learned as a young man and uh, we heard a lot when I was growing up, when I was 15 and growing up in church, we heard a lot of this stuff being preached and not so much these days. But my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be complete and lacking nothing. Now, when I was 15, and I heard the words, count it joy when things go bad for you. I, I thought it was just as dumb as what you do. You know, Count it all joy when things are falling apart in your life. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> James gives us three verbs here. And, and the way, they don't come in order of their importance, but if we order them the right way, we can have this end, end result. And I love the end result. You'll be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Anybody here want to be perfect, complete, and lack nothing? I think that's not a bad way to live, right? Every situation we go into, we will be adequate for. Okay, let's look at it. The first one is knowing. Knowing, the key to this verse is knowing. You can't reckon or count until you know. You know, this morning we walked into a building. And uh, I don't know how many of you have looked at the plans of this building, anyone? Especially the engineering plans. Have you made sure that the, the steel reinforcement in the concrete is up to scratch? We didn't, did we? Because we know that it's going to be good. And so then we can count it as safe and we can come in. See, all that happens in the background of our mind, right? We, when we know it's safe, we can go forward even if we've not been there before. When we know someone is with us to protect us, we can step out even though we're stepping out into dangerous and unfamiliar territory like Daniel was. Knowing, it's about what you know, about who you know that matters. And so if we're just going to run through these next few screens pretty quickly, okay? So get your finger ready. Whatever predicament we find ourselves in, we know that God is working everything after the counsel of his will. God has an overarching plan and he's pulling it all together according to his purposes. Okay, next one. We know that God is at work within us, both to will and to work according to his own good pleasure. Okay, keep going. That he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until that day. And again, if God is for us, who can be against us? See, if we know that, we can go up against anybody and we're not afraid. Okay, next one. For God has himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever predicament we find ourselves in, we know that God is able to do immeasurably more. Immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine. I love this. Imagine the best outcome for yourself. Imagine the smartest. This is one of my favorites. I have found myself when preaching, say some amazing things. And it's like, this is what happens to me. I'll be preaching and I'll say something and I'll go, like I'll have this thought, like some other part of my brain goes, that's incredible. You don't even know that and you're saying it. 
uh, you know, it's, I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's gone. But I have experienced it so many times when I'll, I'll drop something out, just it'll come to my mind and I'll say it. And as I'm saying it, I go, that is flipping awesome. See, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or even imagine on our best day. On our best day, according to what? Fluke? Luck? No, according to his power that's working within us. God put his hand on four young men. Daniel, does anybody else have this trouble? Daniel's name is the Hebrew name, right? And then there's Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because I can't remember their Jewish names. There you go. Okay, is that the last one or is there one more? Okay, and my favourite verse that Adam quoted once. For all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. See, when we know... We're able to move forward and Daniel was like this. See, he knew. He had something the other guys didn't have. He knew that God was up to something. He knew that God was taking him from his country to Babylon for a reason. Because he knew that God was going to bring them back after 70 years. And he knew that God had already said, when you go there, pray for the place you're going to. Bless it. Be a blessing there. Be salt and light wherever you go. He already knew that because God had said it through Jeremiah. And he knew this. And I love this. This is one of my other favorite random verses. And this one's right in the middle of that whole thing. And you would have heard it before. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. You know that verse? Plans to do you good and not to harm you. Plans for a future and a hope. When Daniel was carried off into Babylon, he went with that scripture in his heart that wherever he was going, God had a purpose for him. He knew the plans that he had for him. And those plans were to do him good and not to harm him and to give him a future and a hope. So when he was condemned, when he was judged, when he stood up and wouldn't bow, you're all going to get to that in a couple of weeks different things that happened to him in Babylon, he stood up saying, I don't get this situation. I don't know what's going on, but I know that God has a plan for me and it's to do me good and not to harm me. It's to give me a future and a hope. So therefore, I'm going to stand up confident. Even though the situation that I'm standing up in is less than confident. Okay. He knew that God had an overarching vision. And so when he came before the king, there was this knowing. And Daniel said to him, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery that he has asked about. You know, the very same words that got the death sentence for the the enchanters in the first place. But see, Daniel had a codicil. Daniel had an appendix. Daniel had a bit to tack on the end. Daniel had a but. And he said, but, O king, there is a God in heaven who's a revealer of mysteries. There is a God in heaven. This is a stand up on your seat and cheer moment, church. I don't know how many of you ever read This Present Danger. It's a, it's a book from a long time ago. Anybody read that book? 
Just, just, just a few. Come on, okay. All the people who are nearly 60, put your hand up and say, yeah, I've read this book. Nobody else has heard of it. Okay. When, when the, the angels were saying, uh, for the, for the uh, Lord God and for the Lamb, did you guys have the thing where you wanted to stand up on your bed and go, yes, yes, yes. This is one of those moments. But O King, there is a God in heaven and he's a revealer of mysteries. See, that took Daniel from the predicament that he was in to a whole different place. See, each one of us know God and we can find ourselves in a predicament that in the natural looks like it's finished. We've got the same fate as the sorcerers and the astrologers and the other turkeys who don't know the ending of that verse. But we're not like that. We know the ending of the verse because we can say, but O king, there is a God in heaven who's the revealer of mysteries. But O king, there is a God in heaven that heals people. But O king, there's a God in heaven that gives salvation to all those that look for it. But O king, there's a God in heaven that cares for you even in your darkest moment. Whatever predicament you find yourself in, we're not limited to just what's normal. Amen? We're not limited to just what's human because there's an overarching will and purpose that we've been caught up in and that's the will and purpose of God. Okay. We're doing good. Okay, so next screen. Because David, because Daniel understood purpose, because he understood the plan and purpose of God, because he understood the perspective, even in the midst of his predicament, he was able to position himself. You know, it was difficult. I wanted to, I wanted to get a screen that showed, you know, the diver on the back of the board like that? And they get right out on their toes. How much fun would that have been practicing that to get it right? But they all had, I all ended up with people in swimming costumes, and I didn't think it was appropriate for church. So I just found this one, just a couple of, I apologize for the bare ankles. I, I just couldn't do, couldn't do anything about that. See, Daniel had the courage to position himself to be salt and light. And so we, we'll, we'll pick the story up. We're going to read, uh, continue from verse 14 to verse 19. When uh, Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Just young people, two words for you. Wisdom and tact. They will help you. When you're at school and the teacher says something that you know is not right, wisdom and tact. Don't, don't embarrass the teacher in front of the whole class. Talk to my son about that. Um, Where would we go? He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And Ariak explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time. See, he positioned himself. 
He knew God's up to something. I'm in the middle of this. I'm here to be salt and light. God wants me to speak to the king. God, God is opening up an opportunity here. He's the revealer of mysteries. I think God might be going to reveal this mystery to me. King, give us a couple of days and I'll be back. Give us a couple of days. He positioned himself. I think I can help out with this. Give me till tomorrow. You know, you might not get a couple of days at work. Give me till tomorrow. Let me think about this overnight. I reckon I know the answer to this. You're dealing with your friends. Your friends are in a difficult situation. Hey, give me a moment. Give me a couple of days. Don't say, look, I'm going to go home and pray about it. Don't say that. Okay? Give me a couple of days. Give me a day. Give me, talk to me this afternoon. Talk to me this afternoon. I think I can help you in this. We've been called to be salt and light. Amen? Give me, give me a moment. Let me get my head together. I think I can help you with this. We, uh, one of the things that, that I'm asked a lot since we came back from Thailand is, do you miss the ministry? And I thought, no, because no, I just keep doing it. My brother pays me for doing it. He doesn't know that. But I do it, and he pays me. And so we were out. We were out talking to a client the other day, and uh, I was with one of the, with the other guys from work, and he's he's the financial planner, and I'm the mortgage guy, and we were trying to help them. And uh, we just found ourselves in a situation where they they were really struggling together. So I just started giving them some marriage counselling. In the middle of the, the thing, you know, started talking about stuff that I would normally have done if I was sitting down with some, a couple out of the congregation or whatever and pointed some things out to them and how they were different but complimentary and he doesn't understand her because for this and she doesn't understand him and she thinks he's slow but he's not really. He's the anchor that lets her to loop the earth and a whole bunch of stuff. And in the end they went, whoa, yeah, we get this. You know, this was in a business thing. This wasn't, this was work. This wasn't ministry, goodness sake. But it was really interesting just seeing what happened. They, they, they sat down for, for about an hour and a half after we left and just talked through a whole bunch of stuff. My wife just told me to put the microphone up. You know, it was okay when I was younger, but I'm getting older and these things are heavy, you know. And so, so even the guy from work, he came and he said, that was just amazing the other day that you could just, counsel those guys in the middle of just doing business see wherever we go we're salt and light amen it's true isn't it whether we're being paid to be salt and light or whether we're just salt and light for free i uh i like the pastor who says to his congregation there's a difference between you and you and me you know that don't you i'm paid to be good you guys are just good for nothing So not only did they did Daniel position himself, but they pressed in. That's the next screen. Daniel went home and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men. Daniel and his three friends knew that the answer to their predicament was going to be birthed in prayer. 
And I, see, I love this. In, if you read Jeremiah 29, and it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to do you good and, and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And who hasn't gone, yay, at that verse? Come on, God, you've got a plan. I've just got to sit back here, put my legs across and just go, come on, do it to me. Do it to me one more time. But no, it goes on to say, and you will seek me and you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart, I will be found of you. We've got to press in. If we want to be salt and light, especially if we want to be salt and light against the current of culture that's bearing down against us, we have to press in for the supernatural of God. See, we have to press in to the God who says, I'm able to do exceeding abundantly, immeasurably more than all you can ask or think because of the power that's at work within you. And, and Daniel and his friends knew that the way to get the revealer of mysteries to reveal the mystery was to pray. And that's what they did. They pressed in. They pressed in. They pressed in. Young people, it's, it requires pressing in. Now, the good, the good thing is, pressing in is not hard. He urged them to ask the God of heaven. They asked. You know, prayer is not hard. Getting to pray, that's hard. Amen? See, I've noticed that when on Thursday afternoon, I can think of all kinds of reasons why I need to go home and not go to the prayer meeting. My dog needs me. I'm tired. My dog may have disgraced himself in the laundry and I need to clean it up. I've got to take Jasper to puppy school on Thursday night. Lots of different reasons. But I find when I put all those things out of my head and I get there, I don't find praying hard at all. Praying's easy. Have you noticed that? Praying's easy. It's getting to the prayer meeting. That's the hard part. It's pushing against the culture, both outside and within my own heart, that wants to stop me from doing the things of God. And so sometimes we've got to press in. But when we press in, it's not that difficult once we get going. So I said that because I don't want you to think I'm asking you to do something really hard and religious and kind of God stuff that's just not good. Okay? Oh, we're doing really good. And so we're going to read just the last bit. Where are we? Reading from 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, I love this, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream. You know, it would have been easy for Daniel to say, Just take me to the king. I don't care about those wise men. They don't know God. They're not part of my clique. They're not part of the four. I only like the four. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, I've forgotten their names already. It's only my group. It's only my group that's important. We don't care about anybody that's not in young and free. They don't matter. We're the important ones. We're the ones whose God's hands upon. 
No, God didn't call us just to be light. He called us to be salt. Salt is a preservative. Salt put, that's what they, what they used to do, you know, on the ships. You know, you know in the old days, we went, took the kids down on a pirate ship the other day in, uh, where was that? In Queen's Wharf. And I, I went down inside the ship and I thought, I don't think I really like to sail around the world in this. Number one, no refrigerator. And, and in the old days, they used to rub salt into, into pork and different meats and to cure it so that it wouldn't go bad. It preserved it. And Daniel said, no, I'm going to be salt for these guys. Don't kill those guys. God loves them and I cared for them. And I think God might have sent me here to prepare and save their life. Let's read a bit more. Um, and Ari- uh, Arik took King- Daniel to the king at once and said, I found a man, a man amongst the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to in- tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain the king to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. And your dream and your visions will pass before your mind as you lay on your bed are these. And so he reads them on and then over into verse 47 right at the end. And let's see what the outcome of what Daniel did was. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries because you were able to reveal this mystery. Amazing. Amazing. What a transformation in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Wasn't the end? Very next chapter. Next week you're going to find out Nebuchadnezzar had a backslide. I'm not going to spoil next week's thunder for you. That's for another week. But can you see that Daniel realized that God had sent him, even though he was taken out of his situation, even though he was taken away, snatched away from his parents as a 15-year-old, even though he was taken into a culture that was foreign and strange and full of other gods. They say Babylon was the most kind of, Weird religious culture in the world. Something like 1,300 plus, I think Graham said last week, uh, idols and, and gods. So foreign to what Daniel thought. And it would have been so easy for Daniel to join the pity party by the rivers of Babylon. And say, God, how can I possibly serve you in this place? God, it's just not what I'm used to. Surely you can't ask me to do that. And it went silent. Did you feel that? Who's experienced that when they're talking to God? And it just goes like, surely you can't expect me to do that, God. Silence. Maybe yes. Maybe yes, he can expect it. See, when we're in a predicament, we're in an opportunity. What, what is it? The, the Chinese symbol for... Uh, I've got to get this story right. And I can't think of what the word is. Is it crisis? 
Or is it that whatever that word is, the Chinese symbols is a crisis mixed with opportunity? I can't remember. But when we're in a predicament, if you're in a predicament and you're just counting on your human ingenuity, you know it's going to be difficult. Like, remember the picture of the predicament. Fingers on one rock, toes on the other rock. There's not a lot you can do to get out of that. But see, when we know we have God with us, for us, working through us, enabling us, empowering us, illuminating us with revelation that no one can know, we have the capacity to be salt and light wherever we go. Can I encourage you guys? Look, one of the things that I really dislike is that I'm not here to say you can be Daniel because I don't believe that. Because there was already a Daniel and he's used up the grace that God put in the earth for being a Daniel, okay? So when a preacher says, you can all be like Daniel. Well, no, you can't because Daniel was Daniel and God made him and did whatever he did so he could be Daniel. But I'll say this. There's aspects about what Daniel did that we can learn from that can help us to use the grace that God's giving us to be God. It's like when someone says, you can be the prime minister if you want. Well, maybe you can, but there's only been 25 in 100 years or something. Do the math. Work out how many people there's been alive in Australia over the last 100 years, and it's 25 divided by that number is the chance of you becoming prime minister. So, you know... But what we can do is we can, we can be, I don't know about being the Prime Minister, but I'm convinced about this. God has got his hand on me. He's causing me to be salt and light. He will move me where he wants to move me. He will place me where he wants to place me. He'll put me in predicaments that are way beyond my capacity to go through. But I do know this, that if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, doesn't matter whether it's sword or famine or pestilence. We sing that song, don't we? Nothing, nothing is able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing is able to separate you from the grace of God that he's laid up in your life. And he's gone before you. Adam said it this morning. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's been to the end and he's seen it and he's come back and he's looking at you today and he said, I've seen what you've got to do. I planned it. See, I went to the, I went to the end and back. I know exactly what God is calling you to do. And therefore, I have given you grace more than you'll ever need to do what God's calling you to do. Be confident in that. I'm going to tell you one more story and I'm finished well before 11 o'clock if the band can come or just a piano player or even just someone playing the violin. I don't care. Or someone clapping their hands in time. Whatever we have. When... uh, and I'm going to really show my age here now. When Josh was little, we used to play a game called Captain Comic. Anybody remember Captain Comic? Gee, just few. It's very sad. Oh, I love the thing on Facebook that says, I never thought getting old would happen this quickly. But we used to play this game, and, and in Captain Comic, 
the little character was like a, a Mario sort of game and he had to go on a quest and save a princess, you know, same story, different, different graphics. And um, so all along, all along the journey, there were these kind of monsters that if you ran into that, your power got sort of drained and if you lost all your power, you were dead and you lost a life. And if you lost five lives, that was the end of the game and you had to start again. But all along the way, there was these little gold discs and jewels that if you ran through the gold disc, your power went up. And I like to think of that as grace. You know, the, the inventor of the game put these gold discs and I, I, I noticed something after a while. In the moments where there were the most monsters, there were the most gold discs. Because the inventor of the game knew that in that season, you would need something extra. I want to tell you this morning that because Jesus has gone to the end and back, and He has a plan for your life, He has already laid up grace for you along the way. And when we come round the corner into a predicament that's beyond our ability to control, we didn't make it in the first place, but somehow we've just ended up in the middle of it. My Bible tells me that God has already stored up grace for each one of us in that situation. That if we will avail ourselves of it, if we will say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but God, You are in heaven and You are a revealer of mysteries. God, would you just give me what I need today? Because I don't know what to do, but I know someone who does. Amen? Young people, we don't know what to do. I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you, because you're a Christian, you know what to do. Because you're a Christian, that simply enables you to know someone who always knows what to do. Isn't that good? See, we don't have the power to do what needs to be done. We just know someone who does. Can we stand this morning?